Well, in just a moment, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 1. But uh, I want to begin with a question this morning. And so I'm going to need audience participation from those who are gathered here. And I forgot to give them a heads up to be thinking about a number. But uh, if you had to guess, what is the median congregation size of a church in the United States of America? When we say median, we mean that number that's in the middle. So there are as many churches that are above this number in attendance on Sunday morning as there are that are below this number in attendance on Sunday morning. So, what do you think is the median size of a Sunday morning gathering in the United States? What would be your best guess, church family? 200. 200. Okay, anybody else? Y'all think 200. Okay. You're a bit high. 100. 100 is still too high. Yeah, it's actually 80. 80 is the median size. So when there are Sunday morning gatherings, now this is from uh, the Hartford Institute. They do a survey every five years. The most recent information we have is from 2015. And so they said that the median size of a Sunday morning gathering in the United States, based on their research, is 80 people. And so that obviously comes as a surprise because in addition in this room to the people that actually said 200, there were people holding up twos. And I don't think they meant two and I don't think they meant 20. So yeah, there was a, a very popular consensus among the faithful remnant gathered here this morning is that it was, it was 200 people. And so that's more than double an estimate of what it actually is. So it's 80 people. The title of of my message this morning is Old School Christians. Now, when we we hear the term old school, uh, it might conjure up different different ideas, but I wanted to go to the dictionary on this one. And old school is is, uh, defined as characteristic of an earlier or original style, manner, or form. Characteristic of an earlier or original style, manner, or form. In other words, doing it the way they used to do it. And so, uh, if if we're old school, what does it mean to be old school Christians in terms of worship? Well, you're doing it this morning because you're worshiping in homes. And so what Scripture tells us about that, uh, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 19, Paul writes, The churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord, and so does the church that meets at their house. In Colossians 4, verse 15, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea, and to Nympha and the church in her house house. From Philemon, the opening verses of that letter in chapter 1, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, also to Aphia, our sister, and to Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. 
So, different locations that Paul is writing these letters, and he's mentioning uh, churches that meet in homes. And so, uh, I know a lot of people uh, are getting to the point where the, the novelty has worn off. They're tired of meeting in homes. But, when we meet in homes, understand, Scripture teaches us, that's the way the early church met. As a matter of fact, the first, the, the earliest date we have of a church that had an actual building, uh, an actual building, a non-house that was made for Christian worship, uh, is in the third century. So the, the early Christians, it would be a couple of hundred years before they would even start, as far as we know, having churches that met outside of homes. And so when we gather in homes, we're doing it old school. We're doing it the way they used to do it. Now, uh, there is a history of, of numbers associated with, uh, with religion, uh, even as far as, as, far as gatherings, uh, even before the time of Christ's earthly ministry. Uh, when, the, when the temple was destroyed by the Babylonians, when Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians uh, laid siege to the holy city of Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. That was in 586 B.C. And so uh, the, the, the teachers, the Jewish teachers, the rabbis came together and thought, okay, what is the size group necessary for a gathering, for it to be a significant enough gathering that some of our public prayers can be prayed. And so they came up with the number 10. And that's called the minion. And that means, in Hebrew, that means number or to count. And so they had to have a gathering of 10 people. And actually, it wasn't just people. It was actually a gathering of 10 Males is what it took to have uh, to be a congregation, so to speak. And now, then they decided at some point, at least some did, that well, if you have a 13-year-old boy who has been through his bar mitzvah, which is that Jewish rite of passage to adulthood, then that would be okay. Uh, uh, but there were some some of the Jews, you know, in that time that were going back 2,500 years. But some of them in that time said, no, that, that's not good enough. It needs to be somebody older. And so people not agreeing in religion, it's nothing new. It's been going on for millennia. And so, but, but that was the number. Now what Jesus comes along in Matthew 18, uh, he changes that. He says, where two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. So just two or three, Jesus says, which is no surprise to us because Jesus was known to, to do things that turned uh, Judaism kind of on its ear. I mean, he, uh, he took the 613 Jewish laws, and those were commands and prohibitions, and they, it added up to 613, and he boiled them down to how many commands, church family? Just two, right? Love God and love others. And so, and so Jesus, that same Jesus says, where just two or three gather in my name, I am there with them. I am there in the midst of them. 
So we think about Jesus' ministry. How many followers did he have? Well, we know that he had the twelve. And from the twelve, he had his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. Uh, when uh, uh, Jesus in Luke chapter 10 sends out 72 of his followers. And so you see there, there's a lot of stuff going on with numbers that we might think aren't that significant. Uh, you know, two or three gathered in his name. He's there with them. He has 12 disciples, also known as apostles. And then he, later on, he sends out 72 people. So a number of people that is still smaller than the median gathering in the United States on a Sunday morning when people come together to worship. And so in, in Acts chapter 1, uh, we read in verse 15, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So think about that. Now this is Acts 1. Jesus has ascended into heaven. And so now the apostles go back and they go back into the upper room. And Acts 1 tells us who was there. And, uh, and then Peter gets up to speak. And he, is, uh, he stood up among the believers. And it's a group, not some megachurch, is it? It's a group of 120, about the size gathering we would have here at the Hohenwald Church of Christ on a typical Sunday morning these days. Well, I say these days. Uh, when we can all come back together, okay? Uh, you know what I mean. <clears throat> but you see what's going on here. Uh, these are not numbers that just knock it out of the park in the way we think. That ministry is happening with smaller numbers. Um, it is, uh, it, what we read this morning in the scripture reading <clears throat> from Mark chapter 4, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 6, uh, the feeding of the multitude or the feeding of the 5,000. And it's only in Mark's account, now that, that, uh, that miracle is in all four Gospels. But it's only in Mark's account that he explains that they divided up into groups of 50 or groups of 100. And so we know that the number 5,000 is not the entire number that's gathered there. It's just the men. And so scholars estimate that the actual number of people gathered there is probably somewhere around 10 to 15,000. Now, if you split the difference between 10 and 15,000, you get a number that is similar to the population of Lewis County, Tennessee. Now, so you imagine a, our entire county population gathering together. And then what does the master do? He says, okay, everybody divide up in groups of 50 or 100. It's almost as if he's saying, divide up into church families. You know, you don't have to have a mega church to be a church, obviously. Just divide them up into groups of 50 and 100. And if you split the difference between 50 and 100, you come up with a number that is very close to the median church size in our country on a Sunday morning. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, hearing these numbers <clears throat> that we're hearing lately, 
like the CDC says still, you know, try to limit gatherings to no more than 10 people. And then I think about the, the number that the Jews came up after the first temple was destroyed. And they said, okay, uh, 10 people. If 10 people are present, then that, that denotes a congregation. And so, and so here we are, limited to gatherings of 10. And what we have here today, okay, I'll, I'll come clean. I think we have 11 here this morning. So this is the first time we've gone over. Uh, and so we've gone over by one person. And I know some of you are saying, well, that's 10%. Okay, whatever. Uh, but I, I'm looking at the guidelines uh, for Murray County. Not our county, but our neighbors to the east. And the guidelines that they uh, that their their county officials uh, gave churches in in their county, and so uh, it says you know it's a it's a pattern for uh, a multi phase pattern for reopening, and so in in phase one, which I guess they're in now, uh, that public gatherings limited to no more than ten people, and then phase two, public gatherings limited to no more than fifty people. And so uh, in some states, I heard that they were going to do uh, another phase beyond that where they, they were going to go 10 and then 50 and then guess what, 100. And so you cannot help but be reminded, at least I can't, of, uh, of what's going on uh, when Jesus says, okay, we've got a big mass of people here, but let's divide them up into numbers that are more reasonable. And so groups of 50 groups of a hundred. And so when people come to gather, come together to gather, uh, what is is that purpose? Uh, New Testament scripture reminds us that that our, our religion, our faith, is not just about our relationship with God. As we mentioned earlier, it's love God and what church? Love others. Yeah. And so, uh, one thing that separates Christianity from the other religions of the world is, in, in, in typical religion, it's all about your relationship with the deity that you worship. And in Christianity, the deity is reminding you that, you know, my love for you is reflected by your love for others. And so we're reminded of that over and over again in New Testament Scripture. In uh, Galatians 6, verse 2, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Notice how many of these say either each other or one another. In Ephesians 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Colossians 3, verse 13, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And so, we come together, we gather, so that we can... Uh, carry each other's burdens, that we can, we can encourage one another, we can build each other up. If necessary, we may have to forgive someone that we worship alongside. You know, Jesus said, if you're, before you lay your gift at the altar, you know, if you feel like you have offended someone else, 
go and make it right and then come back and then lay your gift at the altar. In other words, before you show up for Sunday morning worship, go and make it right. That, that, that God is more interested in you mending a fence and in you repairing a relationship with someone else that there might be division with before you even come and worship Him. And that says something about how much God wants us to care about each other. Uh, I heard a a message this week. Uh, There's a conference that I've been aware of for several years. Never been able to attend. There are always conferences that were closer to home and and more economical uh, that I would would choose to attend instead. But uh, because large gatherings of this conference of Christians would normally have thousands of people together in the same place. And so, like all mass gatherings, uh, it, it had to be canceled, but not canceled. It was just done virtually. And so, uh, and so it's done online, the same way we're worshiping right now. And because of that, I got to hear uh, Andy Crouch. I'd heard of Andy Crouch, but had never heard him speak. But uh, Andy is the editor of uh, Christianity Today magazine. And in his short message, he talked, about, he talked about the Roman Empire. And he talked about how uh, you know, the early church uh, was existing uh, at a time when Rome was in power. And of course, that's what a lot of the Christians, a lot of the early followers, I should say, of Jesus were, were looking for is that he was going to liberate them from uh, Roman oppression or Roman tyranny as was the case uh, in, in, in later times after the first century. But uh, Crouch explained that, that Rome was built on a culture of war. As long as they could be at war with people and be conquering people, they were expanding the empire and all was well. But the empire wasn't built for adversity. And so along comes the plague. And then what happens? All those pagans, uh, because the Romans themselves were not Christians, Uh, uh, Christianity was adopted by Rome in later centuries, but at this time they are worshiping worshiping pagan gods. But the plague comes, and all those pagan priests, they head for the hills. They go running. And then along comes a famine. And so Rome could not feed everybody in the empire. Matter of fact, they would feed, give priority to Roman citizens, but they didn't even have enough food for that, to feed all of Roman citizens. And so what did the Christians do when the plague came along? They nursed people back to health, the ones that could. And they they were there holding the hands of the dying. They were ministering to them. Uh, What were the Christians doing when the famine came? Well, they were doing everything they could to feed those people that Rome was neglecting. And so in the midst of adversity, where were the Christians? They were in the center of it, and they were were, uh, offering uh, something different than the culture of the day. And that brings the question, because we keep hearing this term, and I've even said it myself, you know, we'll be glad when things get back to what? Normal, right? 
And boy, we just can't wait for things to get back to normal. Let me ask this. Was normal everything that it was supposed to be? No, it wasn't, was it? So, getting back to normal is probably something we should never try to do completely. There are some aspects of normality, of what we had before, that we want to have back again. I get that. But, what we have to ask ourselves, are we trying to preserve a culture? Because that's what large numbers can do. Large numbers can preserve a culture, according to Crouch. He said, but if you want to change culture, he said, you need to think small. And so it seems to me that the typical church in America, a number that is similar to those 72 that Jesus sent out, spreading good news, that, that, that even, even the typical church in America is equipped to do real and effective ministry. Now, if we're trying to preserve a culture, if that's all we're about, then congratulations, you're a good American. But, no offense, you're a lousy Christian. And I don't say that lightly. I say that holding up a mirror and looking at myself to some degree. That if all we're trying to do is preserve a culture, what are we really doing for God's kingdom? That we need to be about people who are trying to change a culture. Not with a revolution, but by loving God and loving others, one person at a time, little by little. And so... Uh, and so I, I asked the, the question this morning, or maybe I, I need to pose the challenge this morning at this point. Uh, if you're tired of sitting on the couch, maybe you're in your pajamas, maybe you're in your bathrobe, uh, gym shorts and a t-shirt, flip-flops, whatever it might look like for you. Uh, I doubt too many of you are dressing up, and I don't blame you for that, for online church at home. Uh, on the couch, in the recliner, the sectional sofa, whatever it might be for you. But in the remaining weeks that we have of online church, and I say weeks, if you saw Rick Jones's message, it's going to be at least a few more at the very minimum. Uh, but in the remaining weeks, and whether it's a few or whether it's several, why not have a house church? Why not, if you are sitting there by yourself, why not get out that church directory and invite some people to come over next week and worship together? Whether you all want to plan for a meal, you know, that's up to you. But get together with other Christians. It's still safe for groups of 10 or fewer. Obviously, if you, if you are, have a compromised immune system, may not be the best thing for you to do right now. That's something I'll let you pray about and decide for yourself. But, but what about if, if people in the Hohenwald Church of Christ stepped up and they said, okay, instead of having two in our house, next week we're going to have six or seven. And for those of you that have four or five, you say, hey, we're going to double this and we're, we're going to have eight or ten next week. And so get out that church directory and call some other people. And so, and so you, you may get more than one phone call. 
I encourage you to take the first invitation you get and let the others know, oh, thanks for calling, but man, I have already, uh, I have, have already accepted an invitation from someone else. And of course, if everybody is waiting by the phone expecting it to ring and nobody's making the calls, then this isn't going to work and we're going to be right where we are next week. But what if the Hohenwald Church of Christ, we started having some house churches? We started really going old school next week. And we started having multiple families, multiple people gathering under the same roof. And you start experiencing, in a small number no less, but start experiencing community once again. What kind of experience would that be for the Hohenwald Church of Christ? Who are you missing out there? Who is it that you care about? Who is it that's maybe sitting there by themselves watching church each Sunday morning? So I encourage you, get on the phone, invite people to come together. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. I realize it's going to be a Mother's Day like we typically don't have. We've already been there though. We had an Easter like, we, like we've never had before. And guess what? Jesus is still alive, right? He still walked out of the grave. And so whether or not we can all gather a hundred and something of us uh, under one roof, it just doesn't matter. We will get to do that again. But in the meantime, let's gather together in groups of five, six, eight, ten, and let's have let's experience honest to goodness community within the Hohenwald Church of Christ. And maybe the person you invite isn't somebody that's in our church directory. Even better, maybe there's that neighbor next door. Maybe there's that coworker. Maybe there's someone you know that has is a Christian, but they they've been away from church for a while. Or maybe they, you've talked to them about going to church, but it's never happened. Coming and sitting on your couch is probably a whole lot less intimidating for them than coming to a building for their first time back in church or in church period. And so invite them to come and be with you. I want to close out with Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And of course, as the Hebrews writer wrote that, the day that was approaching was they, they really thought that Jesus was going to return in their lifetime. And for us, we say as, as the day approaches, to us that, that the context of that uh, might s- seem to us like the, the day that we can all get back together. But let's not wait until then to have community uh, in, uh, among God's people. Uh, I encourage you, uh, invite some other people to come and worship with you in the days ahead. Peace be with you.